Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. This is the Media Week Industry Podcast from the people at mediaweek.com.au. Welcome to a new Media Week podcast. This is the first of two podcasts on the Network 10 upfront for 2022. The first guest I've got is uh, one familiar to listeners of the Media Week podcast, Beverly McGarvey, the Executive Vice President, Chief Content Officer for Viacom CBS. Is it Australia and New Zealand, Bev? Is that right? It is. It's a very long job title. Thanks for having me, James. <laughs> That's all right. Look, welcome back to the uh, the Media Week studio, as it is in these these days of uh, virtual recordings. Now, your upfront is um, this week. Fair bit of a um, fair bit of action. You've got some new series. You've got some returning stuff. Um, what, what's what's the overall message you, you want people to maybe take away this year? I think two principal messages. I think the first thing from a big picture point of view, our our message to the market really is that maintaining and growing our our, um, strength in broadcast is important whilst we're growing our streaming business, including Template and, of course, Paramount Plus. So that that is our big message to market is the scale of the business that we have here now. We have our linear services. We have our our pay linear business um, and, of course, the streaming businesses, which is um, growing. And then secondary to that, I think, you know, the message that we've always said to clients from a linear point of view is we have a really strong schedule, 50 weeks a year, um, and we will maintain that um, next year. And we'll be starting early, as always, on January 3. So we have a really consistent lineup of content throughout the entire year. So I think they're the things that we hope people can take away. And obviously, Rod will talk to some of the more um, bespoke elements of the commercial offering. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you mentioned there that January 3. It seems to me to get earlier every year, but I guess it's just dependent on where that sort of first Sunday is in the new year. Is that how you plan it? Or? Yeah, yeah kind of, although it's literally the same day as last year, the way the days fall and the way everything <laughs> falls. January 3, we did it last year, so it's exactly okay. the same day. Right. Yeah. Gee whiz. It, uh, it is an early start, isn't it? But it, it's good for people who, who want an alternative. I guess you're selling the alternative to... Um, to tennis, maybe, or, or uh, cricket? Yeah, we had a really strong year last year with I'm a Celebrity. Like, you know, it was really, really strong. It was actually, you know, the number one show in its time slot virtually every time it was on, including against sport. Um, and the really interesting thing is, I think, of course, people are at the beach, etc. but not many people are still at the beach at 8 o'clock at night. So I think coming home and have something really family-friendly and fun and a really entertaining watch, kind of, it really feels like summer now. Yes, um, and it's domestic again because you, you can't really get out of Australia? It is domestic again. We cannot get out of Australia currently, but any day now we can go somewhere with some show, I think. <laughs> yeah, I guess you'll be itching to do that again next year, but but you, you didn't feel it uh, held back the format uh, last year at all? 
Oh, not at all. We had a phenomenal year last year. I think now that we've established the show and people understand that it's funny, um, you know, the Australia, we just really led into the Australianness of it. And, you know, we had a great time shooting the show in Africa and it was phenomenal. And, you know, the, those beautiful shots and, you know, the safari and all of that stuff was incredible. But last year making the show in Australia um, really worked well for us. And because the show is so comedic and there's so many elements in it that are fun, I think, you know, in year one, it was great to get out. Um, and I think we were a bit afraid that Australians wouldn't be properly afraid of Australia. But it turns out there's lots, you know, there's lots of scary things here. And we've <laughs> really just lent into that. So we're lucky that we have such a fantastic country to, you know, make all our content in. Yeah. So all your big, I guess, do you call them tentpole programming or your major franchises? They're yeah. Pr- pretty much all back um, in 2022. Is that right? Um, yeah, pretty much. Um, we obviously start the year with I'm a Celebrity. Then we go into Survivor, which we love to play in Q1. It does really well. We couldn't do it this year, obviously, because we didn't have it ready in time, but we will have Survivor for Q1. And then we go into MasterChef. And then the back of the year is slightly more flexible, but that's where you see the rest of the brands coming through and where we're adding some of the new content, such as Hunted. Right. Yeah. Okay. So I'll quickly run through Survivor um, first quarter. MasterChef usually starts around about May, I think, Um Kind of, yeah, it kind of usually starts about May. It kind of depends where Easter falls, et cetera, et cetera. But it's basically the show that comes after Survivor. There's sometimes a little gap around Easter for a week or two, depending on how everything lands. And the the franchise here in Australia has got such a rich heritage, you can now call on that, can't you, which you're doing again with next year's series? Absolutely. It's a really good point. So we've had, you know, we've had kind of, 13 years and some years had multiple iterations. So we have a broad alumni to pull from, which we've done once before, but only once. So it's great to be able to bring back some of those um, big, likable characters from earlier seasons in the foodies versus favourites version. And what we've really learned and what the audience really tell us is they love to see their favourites. I think people would be love to see Julie Goodwin back in the MasterChef kitchen, but also they like discovery. They like to see new talent. So getting both of those things in MasterChef is something that we've never done before. We've never done a foodies versus favourites iteration. So I think that's really exciting and it'll really, um, you know, get people in to sample those early episodes. And MasterChef's a very sticky show. Once people come, they tend to stay. Seems to be one of the franchises. I mean, in general, programs seem to be shrinking a little bit in terms of the number of episodes, with a couple of notable exceptions. The Block, of course, is one of those, still does very well. And am I right in saying MasterChef? There's no real reason to shrink that down into a into a tighter, you know, three-week or four-week run? No, well, Ma- Ma- MasterChef and The Block are probably the two longest running shows in terms of volume you know has the world moved on would we commission that many hours of something now not really a show tends to grow to that duration you know throughout its success so I think you know both of those shows really hold their audience for that entire time both the block and MasterChef um, and other shows you know if they're successful will grow into that we tend to commission shorter runs and shorter orders for other shows honestly you couldn't mix people you know, Survivor couldn't be any longer. We can't make those people stay out there <laughs> on the beach for any longer. So there's certain shows that, you know, you tap out at a certain amount of episodes, but generally commissions now tend to be a shorter run and then they grow. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting, and I know we're talking about the 10 up front, but I'll just mention quickly the return of My Kitchen Rules mm. because you've sort of had that space um, pretty much to yourself since, I mean, My Kitchen Rules was was often said, oh, look, it, it grew up on the back of the success Ten originally had with MasterChef, and and they wanted to get into that space as well. It's been off for I think that we'll have missed two seasons when it comes back. I think um, will it change the sort of um, 
that the food TV space at all, having another player out there? Oh, I'm sure it will. Like, you know, whatever comes into the market changes the dynamic. But I think the thing with MasterChef is we play in a very particular space. Um, It's very authentically about the food and the interesting characters that come along tend to be, you know, they're interesting because of their interest in food. It's always been about the food um, and those, you know, those great people. So I think we will, you know, MasterChef is what it is. We just lean into the purity of what it is and other things definitely come into the market and, you know, there, you know, it's a long year. There's plenty of room for things. So I think, you know, it won't change anything that we're doing. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other things, of course, that are coming back, are Amazing Race Australia, uh, The Masked Singer Australia, uh, your Monday night, I think it does, am I right, 30 weeks a year? Have you been paying attention? Yeah, it's a very Good long time. run and they tend to come back at a similar time to MasterChef. Yeah. So we're really excited to have the, those guys back. You know, they do such a wonderful job. Um and Cheap Seats is coming back as well, which is great because, you know, they've discovered some phenomenal new talent and to give that talent the opportunity to do something else. And, you know, Cheap Seats is a bit younger and a bit faster. Like if you watch that show, the pace of it is incredible. It really appeals to those younger viewers. Um, so we're really excited by that. We're also adding another comedy show to the lineup next year, um, Would I Lie to You? Um, and we're really excited about that. It's such a phenomenal uh, brand in the UK. It's been around for a very long time. We've always been interested in it. We really have just always wanted to get the casting right. And, um, we, you know, we can say that we, we've kind of chosen our cast now. And um, in the hosting chair will be Chrissy Swan, who's, of oh, course, okay. really warm and funny and a really generous performer. And then the two team captains will be Chris Taylor um, of Chaser fame, who is an incredibly smart, funny and fast fast comic talent and then Frank Woodley will be the team captain on the other side who is both smart but also a very great physical comedian so um, we think that's a really great um, foundation for that show and we get to cast for funny people every week so we're really excited about that. Now I think all your new shows are either being made by Endemol Shine or uh, Warners um, which one is it is it um, Shine Endemol Shine making would I lie to you? Animal Shine, yeah, they own the format uh, and Hunted and uh-huh. Warner Brothers are making first dates. Yeah. And then the other shows, you know, um, Eureka makes some of our shows, WB, um, Banerjee, you know, Animal Shine yes. as they were. Um, yep. Working Dog are obviously an incredibly important partner. And then, in the, you know, in the scripted space, there's a range of partners that we work with. Sure, sure. And, and also in the factual space, there's a range of partners. They tend to be, you know, different types of players in those parts of the business. Yeah. I mean, just with Working Dog, was an, I'm guessing you had quite a few discussions with them because obviously they one of your most important franchises and you would have loved a, a second um, series uh, show from them and they delivered one. But um, I, I know it's a, it's a big ask, isn't it, that 30 weeks a year? Uh, they've got to work Sundays. It's, um, you know, it's, it, it looks simple on the screen, but I guess there's a lot of work. Work goes into it. Was it? Did you have to sort of talk them into a little bit to sort of get them to commit to to, to um, cheap seats? Um, well, actually, you know, they're such a great partner, and you're right. They do have to work Sundays. They have a really finely tuned machine and really, really clever um, people in their team. Um, so when they you know, first spoke to us about cheap seats. It's not something, you know, they don't do anything lightly. It is something that they have been contemplating and working on for a very, very long time. By the time they came to us with it, they were, you know, it was very well crafted um, and they have a very particular rhythm. They're very clever with how they manage their people and their time. So, um, you know, we're very lucky that we have them as a partner and that they brought us cheap seats. So um, it is a lot it's a lot of work. It's a lot of research, you know, but they have such good talent and they're really good at, you know, using established talent, but also finding new talent. It's such an art that they can do that, you know. 
Sure, sure. Now, that first date's Australia. I guess people will be familiar with the format that it used to be on seven. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, shows have moved around a little more in Australia than they have, you know, they have in recent years than they have in the, you know, in the mid to long time ago. So um, we love First Dates. We've always loved it. I think for me, it totally feels like Gogglebox. It's authentic Australians. It's everyday Australians. You know, it doesn't have the same scale and glamour as the big um dating shows which are important and they you know they serve a great you know role in the schedule for all of the networks here but I think it is different to that that it is um more quirky and awkward and fun and just real and I think there's a place for both of those things so we're really excited about that yeah and just give us a quick little bit on uh, Hunted so Hunted is really exciting because, you know, we love those big um, formatted entertainment shows. Australians love them. They really get engaged with the cast. And the interesting thing about Hunted is that most of the shows that we've talked about, virtually every show we've talked about today in, in terms of the big entertainment shows, the big franchises, are in a bubble. So, you know, there's a MasterChef kitchen, there's a Bachelor Mansion, you know, even things like Maths and the Block are contained or Lego Masters, they're contained within an environment. Hunted is out in the world like properly out in the world. So people are running through the Melbourne urban landscape. Um, so that's really interesting to us that you can be in this reality environment, but you do engage with other people. And also the physicality of it being in an urban cityscape is physically different looking, but it still has that pace and, exci- pace and excitement and rhythm. Yeah. There's a couple of commissions for Paramount Plus, but I just might hold that a minute and we'll we'll get on to Paramount Plus mm. if, if you like. Mm-hmm. Um News and the project, um, mm-hmm. talk to me there. I mean, I think it's fair to say news isn't isn't without demeaning the product. It's not quite as critical in your um, offer to audiences as maybe elsewhere. Well, I think we play our news at 5 um, to mm. 6.30 and other people, of course, play their news at 6. But news is really important to us. Our 5 o'clock news does a really good job. It's really consistent um, and it's on from 5 to 6.30 and we do have time to let our news breathe and to do more news analysis. And, um, you know, we have recently an- announced that we've restructured our news leadership, which is really exciting. Um, also, news feeds into the project and that news engine here feeds both, you know, the news element of the project and also Studio 10. So it is an incredibly valuable asset to us and it's something that we you know we value a lot as a business I think because we're not on at six o'clock mm. um, and we start at five that the profile isn't the same and you know obviously there's a different available audience at five than there is at six but it is important to us and it's on for an hour and a half like five nights a week and then you know it's on at the weekends as well so it's a, you know it's a lot of volume of ours and a lot of content and you know if you work in a newsroom in the last two years it's been a phenomenal effort starting with you know bushfires you know a couple of years ago and then gone through the you know, the endless news cycle that is the pandemic, like our newsroom have worked phenomenally hard throughout this period and have pumped out incredible content. So really proud of our news offering. It's, it's different to the others and we, we acknowledge that, but it's still really important to us. Yeah. Um, project seems to be uh, settling down nicely with mm. um, Lisa Wilkinson and um, um, Hamish, who's come over from uh, the ABC. Yeah, absolutely. So the, the exciting thing about the project is that we have so we have a great team of talent and we're on six nights a week and we need at least three talent plus a fourth expert every night. So we, you know, we need a lot of people as part of that 
project family and now we have a great established project family so no matter what night of the week um you know we worked really hard to try and get that consistency that you would see Carrie or you'd see Lisa and you'd see Willade or you'd see Hamish or Tommy or Pete that you've you kind of see familiar faces whatever night you tune in and it's obviously unreasonable to ask people to work six nights a week so we need you know a few people that can sit in each chair so we think we've really got that rhythm working really well for us nice and now as well as the guests that come through there's kind of a group of semi-regulars that come through that are really part of that core project group um lisa wilkinson of course has got a book about to drop um Mm. i I don't often read book extracts to be honest when it's because i it's a longer read and I don't, you don't often have time flicking through the papers on, but I was compelled to read hers and it was, I guess it was a story you probably knew pretty well because when she left the Today Show, she went to 10, but um, it, was a, it was a fascinating read, I thought. Uh, yeah, I, I look forward to reading the whole book. I'm, I'm sure Lisa has lots of exciting things to say. <laughs> I mean, did, did, would there be news for you in things like that? I mean, you you, you probably know the, the general thing, but I guess you don't know all the minute details when you sign on talent. You don't have to dig that deeply, do you? Well, you only ever know what's going on in your own side of the negotiation, obviously, at any agreement, you know. So yeah. I think, every, you know, um, Lisa has obviously talked about it, um, yeah. you know, on the project. She's done an interview and she's spoken to lots of people. Um, so I think, you know, it, it'll be fascinating. I'm sure people will be really interested to hear Lisa's story. Sure, sure. Um, sport, there's um, there's quite a good sport get for you. You've got some uh, more international football. Yeah, so we have the FA Cup and, you know, any fan of football will know, you know, the FA Cup is a, you know, a great knockout competition from the UK and you get the best teams in the UK. But the really interesting thing, of course, about the UK teams is they have incredible international players. So if you're a football fan, it really just enhances our A-League Socceroos Matilda's offering to add some of that international kind of flavour um, on top. So we're really excited about that. Um, and, you know, that all kicks off quite soon. We have a Matilda's game on Saturday night um, in Sydney, which is really exciting, you know. Yeah. How do you balance the FA Cup on Paramount Plus and 10? Um, most of it will be on Paramount Plus. And, you know, there's just physically so many fixtures and they're on at particular times of the day. Some of the stuff will land on 10, but, um, you know, m- most of everything will be um, everything will be on Paramount Plus and then select offerings will be on 10. Yeah. I've got to ask you this because you've, you've got quite a sort of treasure chest of uh, football there. The news that the Premier League um, next rights will be put up for what they called it an auction, maybe for, mm. for, for this part of the world. You'd have to be an interested onlooker, at least, wouldn't you, at um, running the numbers on that? We're an interested onlooker in all sports, right? So we, you know, like any major investment, we look at it on a tactical basis. Does it make sense for us? Does it complement and enhance what we've got? So like everything else, we will look at it as we did with the APL and, um, you know, the FA. Um, we look at it and go, yeah, this makes sense or it doesn't and we will play or we won't. So, you know, like everything else, we'll look at it as I'm sure everyone is on a, on a considered basis. Yeah, because it seems to have done wonders for, for up the sport. I know it's different because it's bundled with mm-hmm. telco products, so you can't really sort of draw direct parallels, but it, it seems to have been a, a good asset for them. Absolutely. It's a really great product. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, talk to me a, a little bit about Paramount Plus then. Now, how, how long have we been live here? Is it six months? No, two months. Two, only, as well. only two months, yeah. Oh, we just launched in um, yeah, August. Okay. September, October, yeah, yeah, of course yeah. you did. Of course yeah. you did. Um, uh, how's it going? Really what, well. What can you tell us? Um, it's exceeding our ambitions in subs and engagement. Um, and, you know, it's a... The, this 
it sounds like a cliche, but it's true. But when we launched Paramount Plus, it felt like we got to the beginning of the race. Um, that's what the launch was. So, mm-hmm. you know, a streaming service is a hungry beast. It requires a lot of content. It requires a lot of marketing. Um, but it also offers us the opportunity to engage with different audiences or in audiences in a different way. So really excited about that. And also it allows us to commission different types of content, which we've done. And we've talked about a bit, you know, we've talked before about spreadsheet and Last King of the Cross spreadsheet actually launches Wednesday night. Um, and Last King of the Cross will be next year. We also announced six festivals in the past, which is a kind of coming of age feature. So there's lots of things in there. I think the interesting thing about what we're talking about now as, as well as a new series of five bedrooms is we're adding some premium non-scripted content to the slate and obviously there's a great market for that premium non-scripted content and you will see that the other streamers have been doing it globally um, so we're adding in um, both couples therapy and the bridge couples therapy um, you know content non-scripted content that sits in the streamers tends to be a different pace um, and it's slightly less constructed and more observational so couples therapy um, is what you think it is it's you know watching a couple have a conversation with the therapist and it's a really it's a really interest kind of interesting little essay on kind of the human condition and how people talk to each other and it, it's not as formatted as the linear shows like you know at the end there's not going to be one couple stays together and one couple doesn't stay together there's none of that sort of thing it just it is what it is and it's over when it's over um so it's really you know it's something different um and the bridge sits in that big constructed reality space but again the social element is really interesting because we drop a group of people they have to build a bridge the interesting thing is there's a bucket of money to be had at the end but only one person can cross and pick up that money and they decide what to do with the prize and how the entire game plays out and how, you know, if I win the prize, I might share it with everyone, or maybe I don't, or if you win the prize, maybe you just share it with me, but not everyone else in the team. So that social element is really interesting and you can watch two episodes, you can binge the whole lot. So I think, you know, just continuing to enhance Paramount Plus and so that it complements the content platform that we already have here is really important. Is um is the bridge being made elsewhere as well? Yeah, it's been made, it's it's um on HBO Max, really successful. Uh, it's in several markets. It's actually in many markets, as is Couples Therapy. Couples Therapy is also on HBO Max in the US, and then it's in different places um, in different markets. How but they're fair, multiply, multiply successful. How sort of fair income is the bridge they build? Is it just like a footbridge or is it a... As long as it gets you there. Huh? There's rules. There's rules, but you've got to get there and it's got to be safe. Like you're not building the Harbour Bridge. You're building something slightly less And it doesn't have to take a v- vehicle. It's just got to carry... People. People, yeah. But it's a pretty long way. Is it? It's pretty okay. specky. We're shooting in Tasmania, which again is interesting. It's so beautiful there and we haven't shot a lot there, you know. Okay, and it all gets taken down and dismantled presumably when it's over? I presume so. Yeah, yeah I don't think okay. it would be safe for public use. <laughs> all righty, good. Look, we might finish up. Talk to me a little bit about 10 Play before we go. It's um, it's 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 a growing in importance, the sort of mm. offering uh, the offer of all your programs on demand when people want to watch if they can't watch for the live linear screening? Absolutely. It's interesting for two reasons. The on-demand catch-up piece is critical um, for all of our 10 content, you know, and our adjacent content to 10, like, you know, Bachelor in Paradise US and, you know, Survivor South Africa. It's So it's important for not just catch-up, but for adjacent content. It's also important in terms of a distribution means. So the, the numbers on the live stream are growing and growing and growing. So it's not just people catching up, it's people using 10 Play as their primary source of getting linear content. So for both of those reasons, you know, it is incredibly important and accelerating its growth is something that we'll really focus on next year. Yeah. And it's an important um, 
the data you get back from the way people watch, what they watch, the times they watch, all goes into your sort of intelligence about building your schedule too, I guess. Yeah, it does. We have so many, so many bits of information now that really help us serve our audiences better. And I, I know that you're you're about to talk to Rod, and I think that you know that's a good segue into you know how we manage the data and how we collect the data, and all of those elements are critically important. Yeah. Uh, how, how do you think you're going to end the year? Um, I know it's still it's crazy, isn't it? We're still not really it's not really sort of um, doesn't help to compare to sort of a COVID year to a COVID year. But but from your point of view as in the business, how how will ten finish twenty twenty one? Well, we're about to launch the Bachelorette, which we're very excited about. You know, she's a really great principal um, for Bachelorette, great girl, really interesting, really intelligent. Um, so we still have a lot of strong content still to come. Celebrity MasterChef is doing a really good job and we're kind of only just getting started there. Um, you know, having pen attention is on, goggle box is on. So we have a very strong schedule right through to the end. So, you know, I think we'll have a really solid run home. Yeah. What's your, um, I know, so Monday and Tuesday are, are pretty much sorted with um um, have you been paying attention and the cheap seats? Mm-hmm. Thursday, it's Gogglebox for a lot of the year. Yeah. What's Wednesday nights used to be drama. What will be sort of happening there? We, we do have some local local drama coming on Wednesday. We have a show called Lie to Me coming shortly to play on Wednesdays. Yep. Okay. And that's into next year. Oh, no, that'll be this year. Next year, we have a variety of different things. We do have some local drama okay. um, to play on Wednesday nights. Yeah. Okay. So there's a little bit you haven't announced yet that will be in the schedule next year. Yeah. Okay. Is Husey back in 2022? Um, it's unlikely yep. that we'll do Husey next year. Okay. Yep. All right. Fine. Okay. Look, let's leave it there. Um, it's always great to talk to you, Bev. Really appreciate your time. Likewise. And, um, Thank you, James. And we'll no doubt talk again soon. Absolutely. Thank you so much.